Hey, DL, you like my new hat? Why, yes, Fen, that's the most amazing hat I've ever seen in my life. Where did you get it? I got it at our new merch store. Visit shop.versecourseverse.com for more hats like this, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and more. Coming up on Verse Course Verse, there are some artists that it just feels like never had a chance in hell to survive fame. Dissecting Amy Winehouse is next. This is the Welcome to episode 62. I am DL. With me is Rachel, the Margarita Polio. I guess tonight it would be, we'll get there, but more Rachel, the nudist polio. Ah! <laughs> Rachel, how are you? I'm well. I'm a little stressed out. A little bit of- Yeah, we were having some Zoom fun. A little technical difficulties. Hey, Zoom, get your shit together. How about? <laughs> it's not our fault. For fuck's sake. You got a big party tonight? Huge dinner. Gussied up and ready to go. I don't know that I'm that gussied. What are we doing tonight? We're going dark is what we're doing tonight. Not intentionally, but then I think Rachel would agree with me that once you start actually having to study Amy Winehouse, yeah, not a lot of fun things going on there, right? No. No. Nothing was positive. That's what we're doing. We're dissecting Amy Winehouse. We have done some dissections of artists in the past on this show. We have done Muse. We have done NWA. We started with Foo Fighters. Maybe that's it. We did Joy Division. No. Jo- we did- oh my God, you're right. We did Joy Division. <laughs> did we all do all of Joy Division or did we do one album? Yeah. All two of them, oh. much like Amy Winehouse. <laughs> all two of them. Um, she had like yeah. three and a half. No, she had two. The dead ones and don't then, count. But, we'll talk about that. Okay, fair. We had already planned this, I think, before we did our episode with Songs for Win, right? Yeah. We had already decided to do a dissection of Amy Winehouse, and then we've got a couple of uh, friends across the pond in M and George that have a podcast called Songs for Win that we did an episode with, which you would have heard if you actually listened to this <laughs> frequently. We asked them to bring their favorite albums. M chose Frank by Amy Winehouse, which we'll obviously talk about. Not in depth because we already did, but we already had a little bit of an intro to Amy this year. Yeah. Made this a little easier. I didn't dig deep into her as a person for that album, so it was Me neither. not terrifying. No, that album was actually really fun to learn about. Yeah. But I guess in a way, I swear I did not do this on purpose, but... We've got kind of a two-parter of some dark, depressing, what happens when young people get shit tons of money Mm -hmm. and don't know what to do with it and really, really like drugs and alcohol because next week's going to be kind of the same thing. So sorry, everybody. It's going to be a hard couple weeks. Yikes. You'll get through it. I believe in you. (laughs) I guess I kind of know the answer to this, Rachel, but was this... Fun, hard, easy. What was it like researching for this? All those things. I mean, the woman, we're going to talk about this, but she's quite the talent. Yeah. I made the mistake, and I don't know if you did this, but of watching the Amy documentary. Um, I'll tell you my thoughts. <sighs> that made it even worse than just the regular, you know, So reading on the internet stories. Actually, we can just talk about it now. I got okay. 10 minutes in. I tried to watch that studying for this. I got about 10 minutes in and there are certain documentaries that I really feel gross watching. Documentaries where there's Mm -hmm. personal footage, recorded conversations, 
Mm-hmm. It was like five minutes in and they were having some phone message or phone call that was being recorded from her. And I immediately mm-hmm. just felt like a voyeur. I felt really gross. And I was like, no, yeah. I'm not doing this. So I got like five or 10 minutes in and I was like, I can't. She's fucking dead. I have morals. But Rachel, you watched the whole thing at least no. once. So <laughs> you- <laughs> so obviously I have none because I watched the full <laughs> two hours and yeah. a couple minutes after that. Yeah. What was your takeaway? It was more about something that bothered me on a completely different level than the voyeuristic side of it was that it seemed more about the hard things and the downfall than her as a person. It was just kind of all of the things you read in the media. So it's, it kind of seems like whoever put the documentary together just found a bunch of news clippings from Daily Mail and whatever other trashy magazine they had near them and kind of put together yeah. a story. Like you said, they did have like home videos and and footage in that way, which you can't lie, but you can definitely edit that to make it oh, yeah. tell the story that you want it to tell. But it definitely got a lot worse after the 10 minutes. There was a lot of stuff in there that was personal pictures of drug use and, and, and videos and yeah. stuff like that. So honestly, that's mostly what I'm going to concentrate on this episode is this whole overall thought process of artists, famous people, what the media does to them mm-hmm. and what we as a society ask for from them, which is pretty gross. Yeah. I had a hard time wading through the bullshit. It wasn't just that she was famous. Lots of people are famous, but she was so forwardly herself Mm -hmm. that the media knew they were going to get something. They were never going to get any reserved sort of something. Yeah. It's the Britney Spears thing. Look what's happened here and look what's happened here. But there's also a lot of conjecture and hearsay. And mm-hmm. last night, Amy punched this person and did this thing. It's like, do you really know that? Do you really know that that's what's going on? And mm-hmm. there was a lot of reading things for this and then trying to find that it actually happened. Mm-hmm. It was really hard and it was depressing. Yeah. 27 year old when she died. <sighs> Yeah. First, we got to get to the most important part of the night, which I don't know if it's, I say this again in the next episode, I don't know if this is fitting. I don't know if this is what you're supposed to do. I don't know if it's insulting. I don't really care because I don't mean it as an insult, but we're drinking while we're talking about Amy Winehouse and I don't feel bad about it. So Rachel, (laughs) what are you drinking tonight? So last week's party, people left a couple drinks at the house. So I had seen the Seagram's, Seagram's Escape strawberry daiquiri in my fridge. And I was... Wow. So somebody time traveled from 1988 Mm -hmm. to go into your party. That's that's terrific. Um, I wonder when this expired. (laughs) But anyway, found that in there and I got real excited when I saw that the other day. And as I was pulling it out a couple minutes ago, I found this... Peach Nude Hard Seltzer, which is where we're going to start. And then I'm going to move to the Seagram's because I know that that's packed full of sugar. So we'll see what the hard seltzer tastes like. So you're drinking a hard seltzer and a, and a what did they call it back in the day? Wine cooler. Yeah. Wine cooler. A flavored alcohol, mm-hmm. an alcohol soda. Oh, she loves it. It tastes. That's not a surprise. Okay. No, it's not. Kind of tastes like right. my body wash smells. You feel clean then. But not good because I don't like the way my body wash smells because I don't like the way most things smell. Oh, I was, it took me seconds. So I was like, why the fuck would you use body wash that you don't like smell of? But then I realized, okay, I see where we're going here. Well, hey, oh, well. brothers in arms, Rachel, because I as well am drinking something that I fucking hate. Oh. But I had to do it. Do you know what this is? Uh, It looks like milk. Am I close? It could be. Well, it's Amy Winehouse's favorite drink. It's called a Rickstasy. 
I don't know what that is. Don't ever find out. Actually, it's gross. I feel like I could do some stuff with it. I've been gone all week. I feel like if I played with this recipe a little bit, I could make it good. But it is one part Soko, one part Southern Comfort, three parts vodka, one part Bailey's, <laughs> and one part banana liqueur. So it's, yeah. it's like... Right up my alley. It's like one eighth not alcohol and seven eighths straight up alcohol. When you shake the drink, the ice that has melted <laughs> is basically the not alcohol that's in your drink. <laughs> Yikes. And yet it's some, it's ethanol-y, it's yeah. potent, it's somehow still sweet and somehow still tastes like cough syrup. It is just Satan in a glass and I don't... I get it. I could see where this would be an alcoholic's favorite drink for sure. Because there's a lot of alcohol in that alcohol. Yeah. I feel like that would be good if you like blended it with like some vanilla ice cream. But what did you always use? If you just put a popsicle in it and (laughs) what's the, what is it? Put a popsicle in it and. Popsicle and some, and some. uh, Malibu. Malibu. If you just put a popsicle and some Malibu in it, it's perfect. Exactly. Church up anything. So that's what I'm drinking tonight in <sighs> honor of Amy Winehouse. Her favorite drink, which I don't get, but she used to make it at the uh, bar that she used to bartend at, which I'm sure will get brought up in this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what we're doing tonight. We are talking the Amy Winehouse uh, fucking indescribable talent. I did not realize how unbelievably big of a powerhouse musically she was. She mm-hmm. She was... She was a Sarah Vaughn in a sea of Katy Perry's. Yeah. We're talking about Amy Winehouse. It's heavy stuff. So we're going to listen to a heavy band today. The band that you heard in the intro is Scarlet. Really cool, heavy. It's like a mixture of, you know what? It's rock. It's really good rock. That's what I'm going to say. Great melodies. They have an EP out now called The Violent Bewitching that came out this year. And the song that you heard is called The Violent Bewitching. That was the intro song. You're going to hear a couple more songs from them. Really, really good band. Their EP just came out a couple weeks ago, I think. They're based out of the Midwest. I don't even... Come on, guys. Rep your hometown. What's up? Check them out. Go download them. Go follow them on Instagram. Scarlet Official Band is their Instagram, and they're you know they're on Spotify. They also have a quick link on their Instagram that will get to their Spotify and Apple, Facebook music videos, all that sort of stuff. Oh, and they have some merch too. Go check out their merch. I will, uh, guys. I'll buy a shirt tonight. How about that? Let's see what you got. Oh, you got some apple poison apple leggings. That's probably what I should get. Just any um, leggings in general. Scarlet, go check him out. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Take a look in the mirror. What do you see? Take a look in the mirror. What do you see? A canvas wife clean, but not entirely. Here I stand before you. We are back. Once again, Scarlet is who you heard coming in from the break. The song that you heard is Not My Home. It is on their EP that came out this month, The Violent Bewitching. I mean, you just heard it. It rocks your fucking socks off is what it does. So go listen to that EP. Go download it. Go to their Instagram, Scarlet Official Band. I'm going to talk about it one more time tonight. Amy Winehouse, born in 1983, died in 2011. So do the math. 
27 years old. Yes, she is a member of the 27 Club. And in every possible way, deservingly so, most of the people in the 27 Club are these insanely bright stars that are just gloriously catastrophized. I don't, just a mess from beginning to end basically. Yeah. She came from a Jewish family, grew up in London. She was Jewish in race only, I guess you would say, because she didn't follow the church. She wasn't a big fan of, as you can imagine, that sort of thing. Her signings were a bit of a muddled mess for the first couple of years. Simon Fuller with 19 Management got a hold of her first, 19 Entertainment, sorry, which eventually became a deal with Island Records. And it was really because Amy Winehouse was a fucking badass. She was a jazz musician. She grew up around jazz musicians. Her uncles were jazz musicians. She shredded the guitar and she did not like 19 Entertainment. They were... Boy, I kind of hope Em and George don't listen to this, but 19 Entertainment were kind of, I think, to her, everything that was wrong with the industry. They were pumping out this Spice Girls stuff. They founded the whole TV song American Idol shit that completely ruined the industry. Sorry, I'm sorry, George. Please don't. (laughs) It eventually led to her being signed by Island Records. She was there for a while. Are you a fan of Amy Winehouse? If so, when did you start being a fan of Amy Winehouse and how big of a fan of Amy Winehouse are you? So many questions there. Yes, I am a fan of Amy Winehouse. When did I start? Probably in about 07 when she hit the States. I hadn't heard of her before that. And having her be so close to my age, I remember when she passed away, it hitting a little different. Uh, When Kurt Cobain passed away, it hit very different. I was a teenager, but when... Amy Winehouse passed away. She was my age and she was just at a different, you know, doing different stuff with her life than I was. And so that sucked. Since then, again, we've talked about how we listen to music is a little different. Music's a little more accessible these days with having Spotify and having entire albums at your fingertips all the time. I've definitely become more of a fan because I've had more access to her. Easier access. Music. Yeah. yeah. Kurt Cobain did not die when you were a teenager, by the way. Yeah, You, you had to have been like 12 or 11. He died in 94. I was almost a teenager. Oh. I was 11. <laughs> Who was a kid? I was always kind of impartial until I started studying for this. Even when M brought us Frank, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of respect for Frank, especially for her to come out with that at 19. 3 at 19 years old with the crap that was coming out in 2003. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. But I still wasn't fully sold until I really started researching this. Once you start researching and you start looking at her writing, going deep into her lyrics and her music writing and her background... She is a fucking badass, and I am a massive fan now. Unfortunately, she only had two albums come out. We'll talk about how much I like them. Mm -hmm. So I would consider myself a big fan. I own both her studio albums that she personally came out with, and I will listen to one of them probably pretty frequently, at least the side A. If I want to sing in my car, this is something to sing along to. I think she is probably the most vocally talented woman of our generation. Do you consider Lauren Hill our generation? Yeah. 
All right. You have a big I'm crush on leave more. Rachel <laughs> out on that Then ledge, I got fired. You just put it out there, man. Okay. I did. Here's why I say that. If you listen to Live in London in 2007, that was mm-hmm. right when she was like, you know what's a good time? Heroin and cocaine and drinking a lot. She was so fucked up. There's some songs within that album that she doesn't sound super messed up, but there's other songs where it was painful for me to listen to because I was like, she had to have been so drunk and high during this. It is very hard to understand her. She was kind of like a mumbler to a degree. Even her mumbling is the most amazing singing that I've heard in my life. She is amazing. Wow. I don't think I would have been, I would have been sad watching her perform high and drunk, but I don't think I would have asked for my money back because her mumbling is better than any concert that I've ever been to. Yeah, we disagree on that, but that's cool. (laughs) I do think that she was insanely incredible vocalist. I do. This doesn't really account for me because I've never really listened to her. Mm -hmm. I had heard a couple of the songs that were big. Has she been a big enough influence in your life to where there are specific songs of hers that make you feel things from specific parts of your life or certain songs that you will turn on when you're, you know, is she on your breakup list or your... No. I was not in between breaks when she came out. And so I wasn't in like a let's listen to music and dwell about it sort of mood. And I never thought about putting her on for a breakup. Before I really deep dove for this episode, I didn't read too much into the lyric outside of Back to Black. With that in mind, you know, just thought none of the lyrics really apply to me. I'm just going to listen to this music mindlessly. I can't really look back at a certain period where I was like, yes, that song really got me through a time or really yeah. I really felt something at that point. Let's talk about her lyrics since we're kind of yeah. we're right there anyway. Do you like her lyrics? Do you think they're good? I think they are very clever and very well written. I don't think they're super super amazing, but I really really like how she uses wordplay and double entendres. Yeah. in her lyrics. I think she has very good lyrics. I think she has very bad ones. Well, I don't want to say bad. She has ones that are very very Love is a losing game. It's Mm -hmm. very lazy lyrically. There are songs like that that are super lazy, but it also kind of fits with the genre. She likes singing a lot of old school jazz type standard sounding stuff and a lot of like 60s doo-wop that Mm -hmm. that's what those lyrics were like. Yeah. So grain of salt, I guess. Sure. Do you have any lyrics that you really, really don't like or were you pretty cool with it? I actually really struggled to because I thought everything was good or fine. I found one lyric that I absolutely hated that I will save to the end of this, but it's kind of a tricky one and I don't know if it really counts. The way that she delivers them, she completely wore a heart on her sleeve. Mm -hmm. She didn't give a shit who she was going to hurt, who she was singing about, how much it was going to hurt her. Yeah. Little, you know, I've forgotten all of Young Love's Joy. Mm-hmm. There, there's little things like that that are simple, but you hear them and it's like, fuck, that's, that's really, really good shit. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's kind of, it reminds me of the man in the moon guy. Are you talking about Michael Stipe? Co- oh, you're talking, Kaufman? are you talking about, yeah. Andy Kaufman, is that right? Yeah. So he would just like fuck with people in the audience and then earn their love back and then fuck with them again and then earn their love back. And it kind of felt like that at times because she said some shit in some songs Yeah. where it was just like, yeah. I don't know if I want to be friends with you after that. But then, you know, her relationships kept going back and forth and she would 
always get people back after she said these horrible things. Well, because all the people are all drug addicts. There's a whole codependency thing and a and a yeah, but like her ugly stuff. girlfriend, she had a song where she was not so nice. There are songs like "Stronger Than Me." Yeah, if you actually listen to those lyrics, <laughs> they don't age well. No, they don't. Calling this dude out for being emotional and having feelings and being hurt and and vulnerable. Yeah. Which Honestly, like for me, it's fucking badass. Hey, you're supposed to be the man. But nowadays, I don't think you're supposed to. Not age well. (laughs) She has stuff like that. Or the back to black that is very blatantly about her husband, Blake, when he went back to his girlfriend before they got married. Right. And she wrote this song about, yeah, you're going to go be with the fucking boring chick. She just said that it was the comfortable choice or whatever. Yeah, that's an insult. Yeah. I think the line is like, you just went to where it's safe to keep your dick wet. The dick wet comes before, (laughs) a couple lines before. Oh, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't sound that great. We're circling around to that. (laughs) I'll be the next man's other woman soon. That's such a good line. Mm. And there was a lot of stuff like that. Super self-deprecating I know that I'm a fucking mess. Yeah. Her, her most famous song of all time was jokingly talking about how she was telling everybody she wasn't going to rehab. Right. Tongue in cheek, but absolutely not tongue in cheek at the same time. Yeah. Hey, dad, maybe if your daughter is talking about going to rehab, maybe always just be like, yeah, go to rehab. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, it's probably fine. We're going to talk about her dad later, I think. Yeah. Um, not a big fan of that fucking piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Good Jesus, hell. No more hard seltzers for you, Rachel. I'm not even editing that. That's, yes, you that's are. staying in there. Oof. Just stop drinking it's it. Not, it's, I don't want to waste it. I've already opened it. I want to talk a little bit about musicianship. Yes. About her, herself, also the musicianship on her albums. There are some artists that are very proud of writing their own songs. And then there are artists like Amy Winehouse that are straight up fucking shredders. Amy Winehouse is a fantastic musician. I know that there's a lot of musicians that listen to this, and I know that there's a demographic that probably doesn't pay much attention, never did to Amy Winehouse, like me. She is a fucking guitar player. There are things of her on YouTube playing jazz chords, She's writing music. You can look, and if you pause, she's writing out like sus chords and A flat major diminished sevenths. She is a real, real musician's musician writing her own music. Here is the paper that I am literally inscribing my music on. This is what I want you guys to play. Like I said earlier, she grew up around musicians and she had like three uncles that were professional jazz musicians that taught her guitar, taught her how to sing, taught her how to read music, all that stuff. She built this really great relationship with multiple incredibly talented artists, artists like people that produced her albums, which we'll talk about, and Most Deaf and Nas. These people that knew music. Coming away from this, there are two things that I feel strongly about. We'll talk about number one later. Number two, Amy Winehouse was a legit musician in every sense of the word. Ditto. My computer was going to die. And if that died, then everybody dies. You just got a raise. You really want to get fucking demoted? (laughs) I didn't get a raise. (laughs) You get to sit down with a drink and talk to me once a week almost. I mean, come on. David, we're friends. That's not payment. That's what being friends is? Yes. That's why you you have three of us. I do. I have three friends. (laughs) She's not joking at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
we all saw her when she was performing, not touching an instrument. And so everybody just assumes that she was a vocalist. And because she did a lot of jazz covers, I think probably people assume that she didn't write a lot either. She just stood there. and um, that's. I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly why it's important to me to tell people this girl could shred. She Yeah, no, when she was, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on my statistics, which I doubt. <laughs> When she was 14, her brother got a guitar and she was like, I want a guitar. And so she bought one as well and then ended up in a, a series of specialized schools to help. Yeah, she was part of the National Youth Jazz Orchestra. I feel like when we met with George and M and we went over Frank, I might have been maybe a little harsh. The growth between the two albums, between Frank and between Back to Black, mm -hmm. was significant. Yeah. Re-listening to Frank, there is a lot of growth. She's much more talented vocally, I think. Frank is fucking amazing. She is always been amazing yeah her talent is so raw and so undeniable again like even when she was drunk and high on stage like there's not an off note even though she's mumbling her way through it i don't remember which one it is but there's one where she came on stage late she's blackout 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 oh, yeah. and she's not her timing's wrong but i get what you're saying though she was a bartender for a while at the holly arms in camden i don't think she was born there but that's she claimed that's it. where she hung yeah yeah she bartended at the holly arms which is this super i mean i think a lot of people probably know what that is and where that is and she'd just randomly get up and go sing you know after bartending and drinking and all that she was always singing and it was always, I think everybody that saw her sing completely fell in love. Yeah. She had two studio albums. She right. had Frank and she had Back to Black, which we'll get into. But like you touched on, there were other things. There was some mm -hmm. live stuff. There's this album called Hidden Treasures, which came out right after she died. Did you check out any of the extras? What did you think? I did check out the other stuff. As far as the 2011 which was Lioness, parenthetical, Hidden Treasures. That felt like a money grub. I, I have. Right when she died, cash grab. That's yeah. my notes on that. Although, go listen to it, though, because it's still fucking amazing. And there's a song yeah. in there called Our Day Will Come that is probably mm -hmm. one of my top three favorite Amy Winehouse songs, but I'm not counting it yeah. because posthumous albums, are you can't do that. Yeah. I know there were a handful that she wrote and she wanted on a certain album, but there just wasn't space. Yeah. But also maybe don't do that. I did love the At the BBC live album. Mm -hmm. That was over like a span of years. They picked every best live performance that she had of every song. You might have just stumbled onto a before this. Were you familiar with Live at the BBC? No. So I was not start checking out artists that have live at the BBCs because they're all like that. Oh, the BBC won't come out with yeah. something if it's not goddamn phenomenal. Good to know. But the the live in London album was not great. Not great. It was also released as a DVD. And I watched that earlier today. It's also not great, obviously, because it was just was she messed up. What year was it? Do you know? It was 2007. <laughs> OK, which is not a good year for no. her. Really anything past 2000, what, five, six, six, six. six. OK, five. That's yeah, it's whenever she met. Who's his face? What was his face? Blake, Blake. 2007 is supposedly when he introduced her to heroin and cocaine. So that's supposedly kind of when things went very supposedly. supposedly. Nobody knows who introduced who, honestly. Because of other things that happened in Blake's life, he was obviously a big piece of shit. Right. There were certain things that he got arrested for doing that right. he obviously... But to me, it's unfair to 
they were the definition of codependent and the personality and the type of person Amy Winehouse was, eventually she was going to find crack and heroin. If she never found crack or heroin, she was still going to drink herself to death. That's my opinion. I don't think you're wrong. Of course you don't. There's some incredible stuff on her her non-studio albums and there's some really not good stuff. You never knew which Amy Winehouse you were going to get until the last couple of years. You knew exactly what Amy Winehouse you were probably not going to get because she probably wasn't even going to show up. We're going to do some rankings. We're going to talk about her albums in chronological order. We're going to take a break first. We're going to listen to some Scarlet. We'll be right back. Let's take a moment and set aside all the thoughts of opposition that swarm in our minds. We are defined by decisions in our minds. Now is the, now is the time to bring action into the Rosie. We are back. Scarlet, that's who we just rocked out to. Fucking headbangers, bro. <laughs> All Too Well was the song that we just listened to. Go download them. Scarlet on Spotify. Scarlet Official Band on Instagram. Follow them. Download them. Go to their... It, it's not a link tree. They have like a flowcode.com. It's just their band page. They have a really, really cool music video at the very top of it called Not My Home. Check them out. Very, very cool band. We support independent artists proudly. Let's talk about Amy Winehouse's studio albums. Let's start with her first album that came out in 2003, Frank. We've talked about this. We've talked quite a bit about this. Yeah. You made mention of this before, so I want to touch on it again. You feel differently, it sounds like, about this album than you did when we talked about it with them and George. I do. I think I judged it a little harshly, really taking a a deep, deep dive into her entire body of work. I think I grew to have a little bit more respect for this album. Although, as M had relayed to us, she wasn't entirely in love with this album. No. About 80% behind the album, apparently, because Island Records had overruled. They changed a ton of shit. Artistic choices. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of. She wasn't super excited about it. I don't love this album. I love M. We all know I love M, but I don't love this album. And I don't feel that bad about it because of what Amy Winehouse has said about it. Right. This isn't really fully an Amy Winehouse album. They Mm -hmm. took her shit and they changed it. I have a feeling this would have been way, way more old school jazz if it wasn't for that. Look. You can be an amazingly talented vocalist and not quite know how to use it. She was 19, and I do think in this album there was a little bit of maybe not quite using everything properly, doing a little too much in some areas, things that you would expect from a 19-year-old. Sure. I have a lot more respect than I did when we originally talked about it. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of that is just learning about her and how freaking amazing she was and how the people that you were talking about, the people that just see Amy Winehouse as somebody that is standing in front of a microphone and playing these standards and quote unquote writing her songs. I was one of those people until I really researched her and realized, nope, this is her. Right. It was produced by a few people. The main producer is Salam Remy. Salam Remy is... He helped produce both of her albums. He's fucking amazing. He's mm-hmm. done a ton of people. He's he's a hip hop producer. And that's what I think made these albums so fantastic. I don't think somebody like 19 Entertainment would have understood 
what Amy Winehouse was about. Which is kind of amazing that they wanted her. I mean, obviously she's super, super talented, but they're just out of their wheelhouse. Like it's not something that they had ever, to my knowledge, even dealt with before. She kind of forced Salam Remy's hand. She kind of asked and asked and asked and asked because she was fucking smart. She knew that that's what she needed. And eventually he finally was like, fine, you know, give me your demo. She gave him a demo with like all this. It was super intricate. Like I remember reading this super intricate. It had like hundreds of hearts and lip stickers on it and Amy written out like (laughs) a hundred times all over it and put it in. And he finally agreed to meet her. And she came in with just her, a guitar, sat down and played some old standard. Fuck, I wish I could remember what it was. And he instantly was like, yeah, okay, she's a once in a lifetime talent. Yeah. And I think that might've been the same recording sessions that came from that is when he started playing uh, Made You Look by Nas and they just took that front loop and she wrote something in like five minutes. And that ended up as, uh, what did that end up as? Just Friends? Me and Mr. Jones? No, that's, no. that song's about Nas. That was the one he was- In my bed? Uh, in my bed. It's in my bed. Okay. It's in my bed. I believe you. I don't love this album. I think it's mm-hmm. it's a 19-year-old doing jazz. Definitely. It's an extremely talented yes. 19-year-old writing a jazz album. Absolutely. Rachel, do you remember what your favorite song- when we did it with them and George was? I don't remember. What is it now? Do you remember? Um, I think mine was Stronger Than Me. Yes, I think that's true. I'd, I have to say it's probably between Stronger Than Me and What Is It About Men. Also, I Heard Love Is Blind is good. I don't know. Those are probably my top three, though. I Heard Love Is Blind is my favorite on Frank. Yeah. After re-listening and, and really getting to know it and stuff, that's a fucking amazing song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well done. Thank you. Let's go to her second studio album, mm-hmm. Back to Black, which came out in 2006. Mark Ronson and and once again, Salam Remy. Right. This is a whole fucking different beast. She left the jazz and she went full on old school 60s doo-wop, mm-hmm. real band, brass work, amazing drums and bass. I don't know when she started doing the beehive, but I think that relates to her kind of being obsessed with the 60s and the R&B and stuff. The story that I had heard was when they were shooting the cover for Back to Black, her hairstylist jokingly over teased the back of her hair into a big beehive and then was like, ha ha ha, you ready to go? And she's like, this, this is it. This is my look. And so that's where that came from was right when they were apparently shooting the cover for that and... Because you could feel the kind of a doo-wop feel throughout oh, it before that happened. Absolutely. And so I think she, w- she was just kind of, the stylist was playing on that and then became a big thing. She touches a ton on her influences. Right. But I hear so much miseducation of Lauren Hill in this album. <laughs> That's why yeah. I asked about Lauren Hill. I've listened to it a lot this week. And holy mm-hmm. shit, it is... I hear a lot of Lauren Hill. I'll have to re-listen to that. Which is a massive compliment because if anybody listened to season one, they know that that's one of my favorite albums of all time. This album is amazing Mm -hmm. from the jump. We've been skipping around all the dark stuff, which has been really nice. But (laughs) from the jump, you have Rehab, which now looking back, it's as dark as you can possibly get. It is. It is because even more so because... Knowing the story again, watching the documentary that you didn't watch, you hear a couple quotes from like people around her 
And one of the things her dad said when they were talking about, oh, should she go or because her dad said, you know, she doesn't, she's fine. It's whatever. He had made a comment that, but she has a tour to go on. She has commitments. She can't do that right now. And her best friend like stole her passport to be like, hey, like we need to stop this. And her. That's why she didn't go on the American tour, right? Yeah. And then Blake and her dad both got pissed at her her friend that took her passport was like the fuck do you think you're doing like she has work to do because yeah trying you know, to save her life her dad needs money and blake needs drugs and so of course like they're trying to get as much and this goes into that whole getting as much out of one person as you possibly can yeah it's it's a dark fucking song mm-hmm. and yet it's so good it's such a good song right it blows my mind how good of a song it is it's one of the best tone setters for an album I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of her her stuff was like written in such a campy way that I as a listener in retrospect was like, wow, that was kind of some dark shit. But listening to it, it's got this nice like doo-wop. Sometimes there's like a reggae, like whatever kind of upbeat beat to it. And you're like, this can't be depressing because I'm dancing and singing along. It sounds like you're listening to the fucking Ronettes in the 60s. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. And they wrote it in like five minutes. Her and Salam Remy were talking about, essentially anybody that's ever produced anything knows that for an artist, you kind of have to be a therapist Mm -hmm. a little bit. And so Amy was talking to him and was talking about rehab. And he was like, what did you tell them when they said, are you going to rehab? And she said, no, no, no. And he was like, that's a song. That's a fucking hook. And she took out a piece of paper and wrote it in five minutes. Yeah. And I'm talking, I don't mean like she wrote trying to get me to get, no, she wrote the notes. She wrote the tune. She had the brass in her head. Like she wrote that shit. Yeah. Yeah. They just hung out and then she just wrote really, really fast the whole album. Do you have a favorite song on Back to Black? Uh, Back to Black is my favorite song of Back to Black. It has always been my favorite song and it just even more so after learning really about good everything that she was and went through. I think you can tell from this conversation that Rachel and I, who both have very different tastes in music, are incredibly impressed and enamored with this album. Absolutely. This is going to stay as a very important album in my collection. Mm -hmm. There are some awards and categories that don't really work when we're doing artists. Although I will say, the fact that her real name is Amy Winehouse. That's impressive. That's Right. There are very few artists that have as badass of a name that is more perfect for mm-hmm. music. I have I have names for these categories. You do? I name them. I love it. Okay. So Rachel, why don't you start the categories? What's our first category? Okay, so Oh, this makes me so happy. Yeah. Best song title is the You're the Reason Our Kids Are Ugly award. It's a song by Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Nice. So best song title, I picked Fuck Me Pumps because that's the best title. It doesn't matter what the song is at that point. That's a 19-year-old's title for a a million times. And if you look on Spotify, it has so many more downloads than any other song. Than anything else. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm so edgy. Yeah. The next category is called Sgt. Pepper or Sherwood Singers. Okay. I didn't know if you knew what Sherwood Singers were. I do. I sent I kind you the of, album cover. You know what you should have named this, though? Because what? we've talked about them and we talked about the cover. What? You should have named this the Unknown Pleasures Award. <laughs> 
That's such a badass album cover. So Sgt. Pepper. I mean, it's just a bunch of fucking celebrities. <sighs> the Revolver cover is way more badass All right, to whatever, me. man. You can rename it. Actually, we kind of talked mm. about this a little bit because Back to Black. They have so many different album covers. I don't know if this is like a, is this one from the States? Is yours? I think mine was the original. This says 2006 and it's New York. So I assume this is, it's an American version. So, hey, anybody mm. that knows, M, if you're listening. I've got the LP with her sitting in the chair with the blue, black, blue, black, blue, black ground. And Rachel has the one of her kind of land. It almost looks like she's in a tub or something like that. And she's got her arm. She out is in a tub. Those are bubbles. Her, I think she, is she playing with her lip piercing? No, because like her lip piercing on this side. She's just. Oh, she used to do that in interviews. All This is great content. <laughs> So the title, Best Album Title Award, is called the Slippery When Wet Award. Did you listen to the 1986 episode yet? Is it aired yet? Do you give a shit about our podcast at all? I mean... We talked about Slippery When Wet last week. I fucking hate that album. (laughs) Okay, the Slippery When Wet Award. I don't know. I actually don't really like her album names. I agree, and I agree with the album Art. It's really boring, but fine. It's fine. Yeah. And the album titles are Back to Black. I mean, is probably better than Frank, I guess. Frank. Oh, I like Frank Sinatra. I'm going to name my album Frank. Uh, That's fine. I'm, I'm not so It's whatever. So best and worst lyrics. I have a lot of really good lyrics that I loved. What's the award name? What's the award name, though? The Boxer Award. Okay. I like it. There it is. Where'd you get that idea? Some dude. <laughs> I texted earlier today. I was like, hey. He sounds so handsome. He's he's traditionally fine. He's not like repulsive. <laughs> this is... Wait, here, here. No, 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 wait. This is going to be a fun game. Okay. I want you to read me a lyric. Oh. And then I want to guess if you think it's terrible or amazing. Okay, sure. Got to get my... Okay, Taylor Swift. Stop it. Lyric, is it good? Is it bad? He left no time to regret, kept his dick wet. Well, Taylor Swift would never say anything like that. <laughs> she would not. She would allude to it and then make her fans troll the guy's sister for a year. Right. Um, I'm going to say you think that's bad. I think it's fantastic. I think these are the oh. best intro lyrics to any song I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay, good. I kind of like it too. It's a stopper. Yeah. I was in Nashville and I was walking and I think I stopped. I like, wait, did she just say kept his dick wet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I already I already read these off. You have a terrible memory. Hopefully it, it'll work out. If not, you're just going to sound like you fucking know me like the back of your hand. Okay. All right. Here's my lyric. Here's my first lyric. Go. I've forgotten all of young love's joy. You think it's good? Because you're a yeah, softie at heart? A, I think it's fantastic. Okay. That's a great line. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know you kind of simple. Anybody that hears that line is going to be like, oh, God, yeah, no shit. Well, that's what I was kind of saying before. Her lyrics aren't anything amazing. They're good and they're uncomplicated and they're clever. Two lines. It's from the same song. So it's from Wake Up Alone. Run around just thinking just so I don't have to think about thinking. And then it goes in and it says, when he comes to me, I drip for him tonight. Drowned in me. We bathe under blue light. So this is the thing. I think that first part is good. I think that second part is dumb. (laughs) I think you think it's bad. I think both are great. Really? Yes. I love the not thinking about thinking. I think the first part of that is great. 
I have one more. Okay, go. I'll be the next man's other woman soon. You love it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Okay, what you got? Um, I feel like a lady and you, my lady boy. That's bad. I thought it was, it didn't, uh, I thought it was really funny. I know that I'm supposed to be like woke and insulted by this whole song. Yeah, you are. That's your that's your job. That's your <laughs> demographic. That's like what you're supposed to equal out the evil in I in this podcast. <laughs> I know. You can be me today and I'll be you. It was my favorite song on Frank when I first heard it. So like, it's yeah, good. fuck that guy. What okay, pussy. last lyric. I'm a OD till I'm at peace like Anna Nicole. Bad. Horrible, horrible, okay. horrible. This was in the rehab remix with Jay Z, which is why I don't know that it counts. When did that come out? Was she alive? She was still alive. No, yeah, it. She was alive. It came out in two thousand seven. That is, <laughs> that line is disgusting, and it is more disgusting now, and makes me really dislike Jay Z. That is our lyrical corner, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna have to start <laughs> doing that for our dissections because that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Let's go to rank the albums. Is that cool? Okay. Yeah. This is going to be a hard one for me. Uh, right. Okay. okay. We've got a lot to go through here. We've got two albums. Rachel, what is your least favorite Amy Winehouse studio album? Frank. Me too. That was easy. I think yours is closer <laughs> than mine, but yeah. To me, it's no contest. Yeah. Back to Black is... Frank's a good album. Back to Black yeah. is an incredible album. But here's the thing, and I know that this does not count. I put as my number one at the BBC because I 100% she is definitely one of those people that just sounds better live than recorded. She's not. She's an actual artist. When an artist is legit to where they don't have to do right. 20 takes of something to be phenomenal and you get to hear them live, I completely agree. Yeah, and here's something you entirely missed out on. By turning off that documentary, there was a scene, they were recording her recording Back to Black with Mark Bronson. It would go from the raw vocals, just her and the mic, to post-recorded version, back to just the vocals. And when you heard just her voice, just thinking about it is giving me goosebumps right now. Her raw voice singing is that's awesome i can understand why she hated frank so much a lot of it was very overproduced and there was a lot of stuff added in there that didn't need to be added in there her by herself is exponentially better there was also a good version of best friend acoustic was she playing the guitar it was uh on spotify so i don't know there's no pictures of that one no moving pictures what do you call this moving pictures a little bit of rush rachel david before we get into our top five songs I want to talk to you about something, something that really, really, I couldn't get away from it studying for her (sighs) and it's super Mm -hmm. depressing and it pisses me off and it's, it's never ending, but I want to talk a little bit about, let's get the dad stuff out of the way first. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about all the obstacles that these young fucking people have to deal with if they get famous. Mm -hmm. Her dad, you know, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt until I started studying up and learned that the fourth or fifth time that she got cleaned up from drugs, not alcohol. Right. She went to somewhere in the Caribbean, like St. Lucia or something like that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And she was there doing her own thing. I know where you're going with this. She (laughs) she was drinking like a goddamn fish, 
but she wasn't doing drugs anymore. Right. I think there was a pathway there that could have gotten better. And then her fucking dad shows up with a camera crew because her dad had started a fucking reality show right. about quote unquote him mm-hmm. where they just happened to, hey, we should probably go to wherever Amy Winehouse is. Yeah. Dude, it's the fucking lowest of the low. And I don't understand how her dad lives with himself after this. You're a parent. I'm a parent. And so thinking of abusing your child's trust and using them in that way is just the most disgusting thing you can think of. It it seriously is. As a parent, you're supposed to protect your child. And that was the exact opposite of that. Uh, That was her time for healing. And he said, you know what? Fuck this because we could make money off of it. And that's the thing. He doesn't need money. His fucking daughter is Amy Winehouse. She's What was she worth when Mm -hmm. she died? $30 million at the very least? Yeah. It's really disturbing because, look, an addict is an addict, and it's nobody's fault but their own that they're right. addicted. It seemed like reading about her that there were a, a few instances where she really was trying to get clean. Mm-hmm. She was embarrassed by it. She kept yeah. failing at performances, and she kept having to skip out, and she would get on stage and fall over, and she wouldn't be able to do it. She was booed a lot towards the end of her career. I think yeah. that she really wanted to get clean, but these fucking succubuses in her life, her her dad and her husband, her ex-husband or whatever. And Right. Also, so I have I had some quotes actually because okay. again, the video that you didn't see, one of the things that he had said, her father was, I felt like it was Amy's responsibility to get better. You can't force someone to do to get well. That's which is your actions are not conducive. To this person but that's better. also on paper that is wrong because if you are that person's loved one you're right you can't force them but you can completely cut them off to where and the, okay so this is another problem with somebody like her that is this famous and is this rich the problem with addiction is you have to hit rock bottom and she did though multiple times how though how she had a seizure and was hospitalized. She almost went into a coma when she was still married to Blake. He snuck in the hospital and shot her up while she was <sighs> in the hospital. Are you sure that's true? That is a hundred percent true. Okay. Because they kept doing no, I blood didn't, tests. I didn't know that. And then one day they're like, oh, there's heroin here. While she was recovering, these people are, Enabling. you know, her drug addiction. But the problem is to me, that's not rock bottom. I don't think that you can hit rock bottom if you're rich. And that's why they end up dying because you can't end up homeless. You can't end up with the inability to buy drugs. That is rock bottom for them. Or you end up in fucking prison, which Amy should have been in prison. She had assaulted like 15 people at this point. She had stolen. She had assaulted. She had attacked completely innocent people at bars. There was some dude at a bar that she punched twice because he wouldn't stop playing pool. She was getting away with everything that somebody like you or I would have been in jail for. Yeah. And she kept getting bailed out because she's rich. And somebody like that needs to be somewhere like a jail where they don't have the choice. But I do agree. Her husband was a piece of shit. The only actual quote that I ever found, it was a verifiable quote, was when she was actually in rehab and her husband at the time, Blake, was making her feel like an idiot for being in rehab because her famous song's name was Rehab right? and how she wasn't going to it. And he was fucking with her like, so, you know, you're rehab now, you know, ha, 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 ha. 
there was a reporter in the room. Sorry, I should have probably led with that. There was right. a reporter in the room. The last quote they have from her is her saying, and I quote, I kind of like it here. Yeah. The next day, they checked themselves out of rehab, Blake and Amy Winehouse. Yeah. And that night, they ended up on a fucking bender. Mm-hmm. They had talked their way, which is completely unethical, into going into rehab as a couple, which is just in every way. I didn't even think about that. Why the fuck were they both in rehab together? Yeah. And this leads me. So we're talking about that night where they're all bloodied and whatever. Right. And this is going to lead me to the worst thing about this whole thing to me. the atrocious American media is no better, but the fucking British media just ate her alive. Mm-hmm. She actually successfully sued the paparazzi to stay a hundred feet away from her house, which is kind of unheard of. That was like a precedent setting case. Mm-hmm. I have a really hard time with this shit. Just the worst human beings you could possibly imagine that cling on to successful people Mm -hmm. and soak every ounce of blood out of them until they're dead and then they move on to it is absolutely these people's fault these media outlets and things were the ones consuming it if that if there wasn't people that wanted to see pictures of amy winehouse strung out walking down the street all cut up with Blake Fielder. That was my next point. If those pictures weren't selling, they wouldn't. There was a reason that Perez Hilton was like by far the highest clicked blogger for like three years. Right. It's gross. It definitely happened really fast for her too. Instantly. Frank was 2003, 2007 was the height of her career. So in, in four years of being absolutely unheard of to being the biggest star in Britain and one of the biggest stars in the United States. A lot of famous people say that that's not what they want and they're full of shit. I think she legitimately... Mm -hmm. She wasn't going for mainstream. Yes, exactly. I don't think she wanted it. I don't think she thought it was going to happen. And the fact that it did kicked her ass. When it comes to people like that, typically, there are specific emotions that certain people like that, they just feel more. Yeah. There are certain things that are going to drive people like that insane. Salam Remy, there was a quote that I found by him that said, she had one of the most pure relationships to music, such an emotional relationship. Like she needed music as if it was a person and she would die for it. That's really good. There was dark shit and it wasn't slow going. It was for years and years and years. Tom Stone, one of her first managers, quit in 2007 because he went to the hospital because he was feeling sick and shit and he didn't know what was wrong with him. Mm -hmm. And his doctor was like, dude, so you're fucking doing heroin now? Tom was like, what are you talking about? There's no way in hell. I've never touched heroin. They were doing so much heroin on the tour bus, leaving the residue in the bathroom and shit like that, that it got into his system. That is insane. The people on the tour bus that weren't even touching the shit ended up getting heroin in their system. That's how much they were doing. That is insane. It was just a perfect storm of her, of who she was, Mm -hmm. of the people that were surrounding her, of her fame, the just atrocious actions of the media. She she never stood a chance. She really didn't. And it's when we talk to Songs for Win, you know, George was kind of quiet about Amy Winehouse. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the one of the first things he said was, it's kind of hard for me to talk about her. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. I think everybody in Britain just had a longer relationship and grew to love her a little bit earlier and had more time with her than we did. And there's probably some guilt there too, the same way that there would be in America for Britney yeah. Spears and stuff. Not to say that we weren't 
just as much as of a culprit because I'm sure that the tabloids in America were covering oh, Amy sure. Winehouse yeah. just as much. Sorry, talent, but yeah. we're all terrible. Let's end this on a high note, you guys. Let's, Let's talk about our top five favorite Amy Winehouse songs. Yay! Rachel's going to give you five songs. I'm going to give you five songs, and you're going to listen, and you're going to be like, oh, shit, son. What if they're exactly the same? We're going to give you five songs, <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh, shit, son. Rachel, what's your fifth favorite Amy Winehouse song? Let's just go with honorable mention that didn't get on here because it wasn't written by her, and that is Valerie, which is probably my very close to my top song of hers ever, performance-wise. I like that. Honorable mention, okay. not on the list. Number five. Well, and it's okay to, especially for a jazz R&B type singer. Yeah. Standards are standards, and they're going to sing their standards. What's your number five? Guys? That's fair. Uh, Stronger Than Me was my number five. Also, I redid my list about 25 times today. I did too. <laughs> so I like, honestly did too. So who knows what it's going to yeah. be in an, in an hour. Number five is stronger than me though. Which number five? It's such a dick song. My number five song is I Heard Love Is Blind. God, that's a good one. It's so good. It's That's a good one. Rachel, number, number four. four. You Know I'm No Good. That's a good fire. song. The lyrics are fire on that one. That's a good one. So is the music, the bass, the fucking brass. It's good. Yeah. I think it's good. My number four is In My Bed. Ooh, that was my number six. You didn't even honorable mention it, motherfucker. I don't know. The percussion <laughs> on In My Bed was... How many different kinds of drums were in there? That was fantastic. At least two. At least two. I counted two. What's your number, what's your number three? <laughs> my number three was What Is It About Men, which is not even on your list. It's not. That's fine. It had a lot of meaning behind it. It was about her folks breaking up and then her dad heard it and he was like, oh shit, I really fucked her up. And then he was like, and then he continued to fuck hey, with her. Let's make a reality show. Hey, at least we're making money off of it. Am I right? Fuck that guy. My number three is Back to Black. Oh, that song is good. Big fan. That's Rachel's probably number one. You don't know me. Rachel, what is your number two? My number two is a very specific. It's from the original demo of Love is a Losing Game. Oh, really? It is. Oh. Yes. It's so beautiful. Okay. Go back, listen to it. Nah. Original demo. Parentheticals. So Fine. good. I will. What's your number two? Rehab. Mm. Look, I know it's the tried and true and she was sick of singing it and stuff, but- like I said earlier, going into that album with that song, oh. Jesus H. Christ, it just, it knocks it you on your ass. perfect intro song. And honestly, for better or for worse, it's kind of the epitome song of Amy Winehouse, really. For sure. Her theme song. Let's get to it, Rachel. Say it. Back to black. Ah. I know you. I know. <laughs> it was good. It was, I love a good minor key. I love a good trashing somebody you just dated. I'm into it. It's fucking good. It's a, it, it was my number three. It's right there. Yeah. But what's your number one? It's on yours. My number one, I think the best song that Amy Winehouse ever came out with was You Know I'm No Good. It's, I feel that. It's, it's good. It's so... It follows up rehab, which is hard enough as it is. Yeah. And it is just so 60s doo-wop in a time where nobody had any balls to do really anything even close to this. Mm -hmm. It's just, Shut God the damn fuck it, up. you know, when we get done tonight, I've had a hard week. I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to make a really, really good martini. I'm going to listen to Back to Black. Take a bubble bath? And No. No? No. I'm not a You're not a lady boy. Woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to rate this artist one to ten, 
What are you giving her? 11 or 12. She's so... So you're going to... She's a 10. Just 10. Straight up. I can't think negatively. Her high and drunk trying to sing is still better than anything I've ever heard. I think my problem is, not with her, but with her arc, is for the last five or six years of her career, you didn't know what you were getting. You didn't even know she's going to show up. Yeah. I get that. And that's harsh for me. I get that the the fame is shit and the drugs and the alcohol, but you're an artist, you're a millionaire, you're a millionaire because of your fans that pay money to see you. And it's very clear, not saying that it wasn't deserved, but she didn't give a fuck about them. And that kind of sucks. I, I'm not even going to rate her though. You need to separate She's kind of, the person from the music, David. But that's not, that's the music. She didn't show up to a bunch of her shows. Okay, that's fair. Do you think this is one of your favorite artists of all time? Yes. Really? Easy. Although ironically- Top four, top five, top 10, top 20. What do you- Probably top four. Top four, top five. Yeah, so easy. So what, like, um, like Taylor Swift, Amy Winehouse, Blackpink. Okay. Fiona Apple. Fiona Apple is on there. Ironically, when I was uh, listening to some Amy Winehouse just on shuffle, it went off of Amy Winehouse and right onto Fiona Apple. And I was like, this is great. That makes sense. Those other two bands that you mentioned that are usually on my wall, just because I love them and I'm passionate about them, I don't think they're the most talented bands of all time. They're not in my top five of artists of all time. If it's not a full package of music, Blackpink is singing songs that other people wrote for them and dancing around who's her face she's fun she's happy it's a great something to listen to but it's not it's not something that i if i was to tell the next generation about the music that i experienced i don't know that taylor swift would be on the on the top 10 of people so you're admitting it here that amy winehouse has 10 times the soul that taylor swift does in her music she has a million times the soul that taylor swift has taylor swift Uh is great and she does write from her heart amy winehouse man that is something else she's unbelievable she really is and i am so glad that we did this even though it was depressing as fuck and it was hard at at some points Uh, i'm glad that you picked her because i learned a lot that's it for tonight join us next week dl's gonna go dark again he's all alone it is a actually a really fascinating episode i am going to talk about lean culture if you don't know what that is you're gonna learn and I'm going to talk about Juice World. Versecoursefirst.com, at Pod. Rachel. David. Thank you so much for doing this with me. This was awesome. I know it probably wasn't that easy. I appreciate you. You're one of my three favorites. <laughs> Scarlett, thank you for letting us play your music. Hope we got you a few downloads. We're all about supporting the indie artists. We love you. Good night and good luck. Oh, I, oh, I.
together naturally.